Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You're about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's top-rated by sites like Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, and Homes.com. Whether you live right here in the city or across the country, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Welcome to episode 30 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, Michael Scroggins, Manager of Marketing and Customer Relations and Technology for Embark, Central Oklahoma's Transportation and Parking Authority, comes to talk to us about an exciting new streetcar that's launching this weekend. If you've got plans this weekend, you might make them include the streetcar grand opening ceremony, or at least get a ride. You can do that for free this weekend. All right, on to the market this week. Number of active homes on the market, 137. Number of homes sold this week, 79. Your days on market median coming in at 26 days. That's a median list price of $139,700, $139,700, with a median sold price, check it out, at $135,650. That was an average discount last week of 3% off the listing price when you're purchasing a home in Oklahoma City. The median list price uh, per square foot comes to $92.39, with that median sold price coming in at $85.88. Your average uh, list price coming in at $179.9. So if you're just coming on the market, uh, your your crowd is going to be in that $179, $180 mark this week. Again, uh, REOs and short sales entering the market this uh, last week. We've got six coming on the market. At your median list price for REOs and short sales coming in at that $53.20 mark. So that's about what you're expecting when you're shopping. Check it out. This last week, though, the median sold price was $44.84. That's a 16% discount experienced in REO and short sale negotiations this last seven days. All right, and on to your news with Aaron. Hello, I'm Aaron Christian in Oklahoma City for the OKC Real Estate Show with this week's news. Senator Jim Inhofe has just announced that OKC has received the $14.3 million federal grant we applied for to construct OKC's first bus rapid transit line. This is part of the continued push to increase Oklahoma City's walkability score. The bus line expansion would extend from North Classen Boulevard to the Northwest Expressway and on to Meridian Avenue. The extension would connect to the streetcar line opening December 14th, giving commuters an option for reaching downtown offices, restaurants, shops, and entertainment venues, all without having to use a car. Commerce Bank, based in St. Louis, has signed a lease to move its Oklahoma City operations to Atrium Towers, 3503 Northwest 63rd. The bank will occupy 7,348 square feet of space at its new location, which has easy accessibility and visibility along Lake Hefner Parkway. Craig Tucker with Price Edwards & Company handled lease negotiations on behalf of the landlord Atrium LLC, which is wholly owned by Love's Travel Stops and Country Stores. 
At its final meeting of 2018, Oklahoma Housing Finance Agency's Board of Trustees awarded funding for affordable housing in three different programs. Some of the developments include MACO Development Company will build a 57-unit development in Oklahoma City using its award. Native American Housing Services will build two rental homes in Edmond. The city of Midwest City was granted funds to provide down payment assistance to 40 home buyers. OHFA trustees awarded $2.1 million in affordable housing tax credits, adding to the state's affordable rental housing stock across the state. Developments to be constructed include the Estates at Rockwell, a 68-unit development, Greenwood Estates, a 60-unit development, and Savannah Terrace Apartments, a 60-unit development, all in Oklahoma City. For more information on the funding and future projects, visit affordablehousingcoalition.org. Back to Landon with this week's guest. All right. Thanks, Aaron. On today's show, we have Michael Scroggins, Manager of Marketing and Customer Relations and Technology for Embark. Embark is our public transit authority in town, uh, formerly known as uh, Metro Transit. They provide bus service in Oklahoma City with routes to Midwest City and Norman, the downtown Discovery, Embark Plus Paratransit Service, downtown off-street public parking, Oklahoma River Cruises. Today on the show, Michael. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Landon. Tell us just real quick a little bit of your history with Embark. How long have you been there? Yeah, so I started back in 2008. So I've been there uh, just a little over 10 years. Uh, I've been... Uh, Really impressed with the quality of people there. Uh, you won't find anyone who um, doesn't care about what we're doing, and the fact that we, you know, we help make uh, Oklahoma City move and uh, get to their destinations. Uh, and it's really a economic uh, development tool uh, to help uh, the host community thrive. So now you guys have a new project on your hands that you've been working on for quite a while now that brings a new vehicle to the town. Um, some might say it's been in planning for 100 years. Uh, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about the new streetcar. What is it? What does it mean to the city? How does it work? And what can we expect coming from it? Yeah, all things old or new again, right? So uh, it's been more than 70 years since we've seen a streetcar on our streets in downtown Oklahoma City. So we're very excited about what's ahead for us. Uh, and as you mentioned, we have been working on this for quite a while. And uh, that goes back to the early 90s and the very first maps. Uh, they were even trying to uh, to get uh, this started back then. We were hoping to have some federal funding that didn't work out. Uh, but we didn't stop with that. We didn't let that discourage us. And then uh, our board, uh, you know, just continued to work on, you know, chipping away at how do we continue to improve our transit network here in Oklahoma City and in, in central Oklahoma, really, at all, uh, overall. And so we commissioned a study that is federally required if you're going to go after federal funding. Uh, and so we we got this study going and it's called the Fixed Guideway Study. And then later on, we... Um, uh, adopted it and it turned into our fixed guideway plan in 2005. And that's what identified uh, Oklahoma City uh, downtown area identified that a streetcar would be, you know, an appropriate use for that type of mode and that transit mode. Mm -hmm. And so we started building from there. The city took uh, that initiative then to uh, figure out a way to how do we build one? How do we fund that? And so uh, in 2009, it was presented at the MAPS 3 project list. And then uh, the residents of Oklahoma City, uh, they decided, yeah, it's worthy of our investment. And then so they've invested $135 million in building this network uh, in the downtown area. And, uh, you know, that's not, that's not a little thing to overlook because 
uh, like with anything else you uh, that of that size, you could uh, look at that as a long-term investment for sure. And it was. And what they did is they said, we're going to pay this uh, all up front. So you think about $135 million and we just mm-hmm. paid cash for the system. So Very it's, it's debt-free. Yeah, sure. exactly. So that's a big deal for a community looking at continuing to invest in itself. So we've, we've already paid this system off. We're ready to uh, start operating it. And that leaves us open to start thinking already, and, and you and you, you'll hear about it. Uh, what's next? Mm. Because we're not paying, we're not having to worry about p- making payments on it, and how are we going to do that? Mm. Uh, we're just worried about uh, making sure we got it operated. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, but we're already being asked all the time, well, how do I get it to Capitol Hill? How do I get it uh, up to the Plaza District or into Uptown? So. So if you've just tuned in, we're here with Michael Scroggins, Manager of Marketing and Customer Relations at Embark, our local uh, transit authority. Now, for those that may not understand, what is a streetcar? I mean, what could you describe it to the listeners? Yeah, it's a rail vehicle. And so it's uh, it's a rail vehicle that has it's on tracks and it operates in a lane of traffic with you and your in your car. So uh, we're sharing the road together. It's not in its own private right of way. And uh, we're going to be. Um, uh, traversing about four point, nearly five miles of of, of downtown mm-hmm. uh, with a streetcar, and we're really making these connections, vital connections uh, to each district. Uh, so uh, sometimes I've heard people say, "Well, I'll go down and I'll I'll just spend my day in Automobile Alley uh, because it's too hard to get you know park and go to this other place, um, uh, whether it be Midtown or Bricktown." Uh, I'll have to do that another day. And so now you can just do that all at once. Uh, you can park once, hop on the streetcar, and you can go to any one of those districts within just minutes. Folks might be wondering, how does this affect real estate? What does this have to do with real estate? What does this have to do with your property value? Um, well, you don't actually have to project much because we actually have facts already. Um, Michael and I were discussing before the show um, We've already seen an economic benefit to the city just by the uh, you know news of the route and the plans coming up. Investors, both public and private, have already invested in the city. Uh, Michael, go over some of those figures with us. Uh, just some of the top ones that kind of stuck out to you. Yeah. So the Alliance for Economic Development and the Oklahoma City Chamber they they got together and. Uh, they were they started asking us some questions about uh, you know what's a typical impact zone and so when we started looking at uh, approximately around three uh, blocks around the streetcar route and the entire route uh, we started looking back at what was the impact since we announced what the final route would be so this means when you you know the tracks are going to be there the streetcar we're not going to be able to detour it because again it's on tracks it can't go anywhere else uh, at the moment. Uh, and so what what's the impact and what does that mean for development and uh, the property values there? Uh, so since 2011, we've seen a total square footage within that three block impact zone. Uh, it's up to 4.2 million square feet. Uh, and so 1.9 million square feet of that growth is located in the first block and with 1 million and 1.3 million located in the second and third blocks, uh, respectively. Uh, and that also means there's an average of more than 730,000 square feet of, of office space has been uh, constructed since 2011. Again, that's when we announced, here's what that final route is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And we've started seeing uh, development and uh, construction projects pr- uh, take place there. Mm. And that equates to about 100 and, uh, or $800 million of private investment. 
And uh, we've also seen about $806 million of public investment in that same area uh, Mm. since the route has been announced. So for those history buffs out there, you might remember uh, reading about the railroad coming into a town and how the railroad inspired business owners as well as land developers, landowners to purchase land alongside railroads and their stations. We're seeing a very similar thing occur here in the modern day. Um, Now, if there was an investor that wants to plan for the future routes, are you guys planning to expand even further than where you're at now? And where can they find that information of where the future expansion is going to go? Yeah, so we're we're working uh, with the city closely to continue to identify you know areas where we can improve transit. Uh, we know globally, so to speak, in Oklahoma City area, there's a, there's a lot of improvement yet to to be realized. Uh, but we want to we want to focus that. Uh, I, one example is we've been working really closely uh, with a couple of groups to bring bus rapid transit to the Northwest Expressway area, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's a basically what that is 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 it's a bus that operates like a rail vehicle has its own but it has its own uh, right of way and has its own signal prioritization so it operates and it uh, is as quick and as fast as a uh, rail vehicle. So mm, that that's, that's something good. on our horizon. And, you know, that's, you know, that's a prime area where transit oriented development could occur. And what we've seen nationally is that for every uh, dollar of public transportation uh, or investment that is made into public transportation, you see about $4 result uh, out of that in economic development. So interesting. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty across uh, the board result for uh, and it, it's a broad stroke, obviously, mm-hmm. when you look around the country, but mm-hmm. where we have such great property values that have been strong uh, and really have maintained even through some of the different uh, bubbles sure. that have occurred, uh, we were impacted much less than a lot of other places. Uh, that means even more value can come when we continue to invest in these transit options, because that means you and I don't have to have uh, that. It's about eight to nine thousand dollars a year in automobile investment if we were to. Uh, create a system that allows you to give up one of the cars that you may have at your household. So we, on average, I think in the Oklahoma area, we have two and a half to three cars per household. Uh, That's right. But we have parking spaces when you get there. Uh, But that may mean that you can turn around and you can build a larger facility uh, Mm. with more office space or with more uh, retail space. That that can turn uh, that sure. can turn a profit, then to increase and add parking lots, parking spaces. Sure, right? which you're not getting any return most most cases. Also, let's talk a little bit about the social and cultural impacts of of tra- public transit. Um, when we talk about walkability, uh, I, we've got folks that are coming from New York City who are selling their houses and paying cash in our market or California as well. And they are used to uh, being able to walk to work or walk to the park or walk to these different places. And like you said, don't even worry about the car. Um, I think your program enables them to be able to walk there. And that would in turn uh, create a more of a culture of communication. I mean, we don't communicate when we're at a traffic light, right? But it's very conceivable to communicate with someone you're sitting next to on a train. Right. Yeah, it, it's uh, there's a saying in our industry. It says where public transportation goes, community grows, mm. uh, and I, and it's it really embodies the very uh, the very spirit of what public transit can do, and that's just create community, uh, and it's it's about place making as well, uh, and it also helps us uh, to have a better understanding of uh, people and the situations that they live in. 
we all we all have our own shoes and our own paths in life. And uh, the thing is, is we can easily get in a rut of just knowing what's within, you know, just right in front of us uh, and not really looking around to see that uh, there might be others in need uh, or and or uh, that there's a, there are others around you that can help you. So it, it's leaning on one another. But without a doubt, you'll find uh, if you're on our buses, the people know each other. Uh, the bus operators know the the people who uh, ride every day. In fact, we've even had bus operators who, uh, when they haven't seen an elderly person in a while, they will go out of their way on their own time, go and check on that elderly person, see why they're not riding anymore. And it's heartbreaking for them sometimes when they've learned that they've passed or are no longer using the system uh, because of some medical reason. Uh, and then, you know, just medical alone, we've got a, a really large generation ahead of us right now that... Uh, they're one of the largest in history, right? That uh, the boomer generation, and they are uh, in in retirement phase. They're uh, if you're at the early part of the boomer, you're you're getting into those years where you're probably uh, may have some uh, of your children helping take care of you, mm-hmm. and uh, we become a vital service for them maintaining independence when they can't drive anymore, uh, and maintaining their ability to go shop, do things with their friends, uh, still go to the theater, uh, and or it may be that. You know, you're on a critical uh, medical uh, trip, and that's going to your weekly dialysis. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of things can happen. Uh, we have a gentleman that uh, just a few years ago he was in corporate America, uh, just moving along in life, and then uh, all of a sudden he had a a, a diabetic uh, a medical emergency, and and he's now blind. And so his life radically changed. And if it weren't for public transit, uh, he wouldn't be able to uh, really live uh, at the same quality he's living today. Uh, and maintain some of those connections. There is a listener question I want to get to. This is Michael Timmons out of Stillwater says, and I, and I'm bringing this up because I think it's just it's it's a clear distinction of 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 what people think public transit is. Public transit is for poor people and is unsafe. What does this mean to bring a train to the program? Are we just going to be around unsafe and potentially dangerous people if we choose to use public transit? It's a very loaded statement that he's got there, but I think I think that there's a lot of truth there. There's a there's a uh, a thought that property owners would purchase along a bus route and go, ooh, maybe I don't want to purchase next to this bus stop. Or is this just a a thought, or is there any truth to this? I mean, uh, what what's the crime rates on on buses? I mean, what is this? Is there any validity to this? Well, can you remind me of the last time you've heard? I think you're pretty well connected and, and, and stay up to date with headlines. What's When's sure. the last time you uh, saw a headline on danger, don't ride the bus? Not in Oklahoma City. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah. mean, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean it, New York subway, maybe, or something. Yeah, maybe. Even, even uh, then, yeah. But sure. how many drive-by shootings have you heard about? Sure. That's okay. right. Uh, so, or car wrecks. Or car accidents. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, it, you know, we can make really broad statements. And, you know, I would just encourage... Uh, you know, if he was, ta- if I was talking with him, I, I would ask, I'd invite him along and let's go on a trip. And what we, I think what you'll find, and, um, this is what we commonly hear when people try it out for the first time. They're like, it's not anything like what I thought it was going to be. Mm. It's clean. Mm. Uh, your, your operators are courteous. Uh, they're very helpful. They're willing to help me. They know I'm new. They could tell they, they help me out. And, uh, we even, uh, not very long ago, we had someone who tried it for the first time and they didn't bring enough fare with them. They thought they had it covered. And another, 
uh, person stepped up and paid the rest of it for them. So, oh, wow. you know, and, and they didn't know them whatsoever and they're brand new to it all. So there, again, there's a sense of community and there's certainly a stigma that goes along with it. And uh, I think that it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, we hope people will take a, you know, a, uh, a moment to really think about some of those types of statements and understand that where, what is the basis for that? What's the foundation for it? What foundation of truth are you actually getting that? What facts do you have that support that? And you'll it's probably find the there car aren't dealership. that many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, putting out a, the information. There's yeah. a lot of truth in that. And mm. uh, in the uh, 50s and 60s, there's a, there's a historic ad and you can go out and find it. And uh, they basically, uh, the car manufacturers, they put out this ad that had on the, on the header sign for the bus, they said, uh, creeps and weirdos was what they put mm. on the, the header sign. And so, you know, they, they help start uh, and, and putting that picture out Propaganda. there. Propaganda. Sure. Yeah. And is that true of them today? Mm. No, not necessarily at all. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there was a time where that was the effort was to, you know, we're going to sell cars at no, at no matter what cost, right? So just to recap, the investment within, what did we say, three blocks of the track? What was the, they get within uh, our range was within three blocks of the track? Yes. Yeah, so our, we've seen one, in, when you look at both public and private uh, investment, you're at 1.6 billion since mm. 2011. So 2011, they announced what the plans would be, where the track was going to be. And $1.6 billion of investment has been placed along those tracks uh, in both public and private investments. Um, we're, are, we're seeing um, one point, what'd you say? Uh, what was the um, interesting, the commercial office space increase? I want to say 1.5 million square foot of increased commercial space. So all of these things pointing to not a projection or not a let's scheme over in investment increases this has already happened this is happening get a part of it if you find a property along a track it's a great thing it's increasing your walkability scores and if you haven't been on one of these yet uh you'll get an opportunity what is it the 14th and 15th is the opening ceremony so we have the grand opening ceremony on the 14th uh you know weather depending right we've got That's some right. weather coming up but uh yeah we're very excited about that we're going to actually have a, a grand opening period of from the 14th all the way through january 5th uh where it'll be, where it will be free where you can uh, get on at your will uh, we run on Fridays and Saturdays in two two a.m. So um, wow, yeah, you there wanna, you go. You got a date night coming up. Uh, it's a great opportunity to get out and try it. And really, uh, I want to encourage you to you know ride the whole route so you can mm. see how we're connecting you to all these different districts who have their own personality, mm. uh, their own um, community themselves. Mm. And uh, you're going to find that there's some old housing that's there that's already being revitalized. Uh, you've got you'll see some open land mm. there too. So a great mm. opportunity to. Uh, to get in there. And I want to mention one one development that's real interesting there is uh, there's uh, a new restaurant uh, concept coming up there and it's the the collective. Uh, and they are, you know, they built out their entire site without any parking. They're not providing any parking themselves. And, they, and that, they're depending on the streetcar to bring people to them. So only on street parking around there is uh, available. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're so excited about it. They sponsored one of the stops. Uh, but it's that idea where, you know, we're not going to build our, our business around people and cars anymore. We're going to build, you know, a business where I can maximize profits. That means they got to put more tables in their, their restaurant That's right. uh, than having to just limit it to what parking spaces are required. Excellent. Well, I think we've covered it all, Michael, or at least the good stuff. Um, we're just about out of time. 
is there anything you want to get out there to anybody that may be, um, you know, any other questions that we've got or something that you want to put out there that Embark's got in the future? Maybe something that they might not know about? Well, right now, uh, the city is taking and the mayor has asked for ideas about the next iteration of MAPS. So MAPS mm-hmm. 4. And so it's, he's got uh, the MAPS for ideas out there. And I would encourage everyone to participate in that, whether you are just you may not live even here, but uh, you may work here. So get those ideas uh, submitted and put out there. If transportation is one of those, you want to look at that and, and include that. And while you're doing that, keep in mind, we've already heard from our state uh, Department of Transportation. You know, they're telling us we can't expand I-35 anymore. We can't add more lanes. We're out of right of way. We don't have the space for it. Uh, and and the thing is, is in reality, we really enjoy a pretty good uh, uh, travel times. I mean, we're not a congested city. I mean, you go to Houston, LA, Chicago, you know, what we consider a, a inconvenience is maybe a 40 minute trip where they're typically a two hour trip, right? Just to go a few miles. Painful. Yeah. Painful. So those are the things that are ahead. And so how you can help is get involved. Uh, we need residents obviously involved, but we also need those who are developing and, uh, who are helping, uh, shape our future as a community, mm-hmm. uh, to look at public transportation and where existing routes already are. There's a misconception that, oh, well, you can just move a bus route, but don't forget people have decided to live along a certain route because it's convenient for them. So if we were just uproot it because uh, we, you want us to come to you, uh, we've just changed the life of someone else and the way they get around. Uh, so think about where existing routes are and then and think about maybe development of where uh, we could reuse some land uh, and not just necessarily, necessarily something on the outskirts. You mentioned New York City earlier. They're 306 square miles. Mm. Oklahoma City is 620 square miles. Wow. Uh, and we go. already, uh, if you look at the total miles of service we provide, we're around, right around 230. So if we were in New York City and we took our existing system, hey, we got it covered pretty much, right? Uh, but not in Oklahoma City. Uh, so we've got a long ways to go and it can't happen without, you know, everyone's involvement. You've been listening to Michael Scroggins, Manager of Marketing, Customer Relations and Technology at Embark, who uh, serves an estimated 3 million riders annually. Michael, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, it's been great. Thanks, Landon. That concludes Episode 30 of the OKC Real Estate Show. Subscribe to our podcast to hear fresh local market information. We need ideas for our show and we want to hear from you. Visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. Looking to buy or sell in Oklahoma City? Meet with the award-winning team today at OKCRealEstateShow.com. That's OKCRealEstateShow.com.